0: Tonight the topic, The Hope Believed. On page 13 of the book of Are the Dead Alive? In the introduction, I wrote the following. Most of us maintain certain beliefs which we unthinkingly accept as true without checking them against the truth of the word of God. When we find ourselves acting in this mechanical fashion, we must slow down, take inventory of our mental patterns, and see if our beliefs are in agreement with the word. We as Christians are called of God to study the word of God, to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed of our workmanship rightly dividing the word of truth so that we may be able to give testimony of the faith of Jesus Christ that's in us. We accept the authority of the word as the basis of our beliefs and actions. Those who believe and understand the Bible, the word of God, know that the scriptures teach beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is impossible to reproduce until or before the return of Christ persons who once lived and died. Therefore, only if a person denies the resurrection of Christ and his return can that person believe the dead are now alive. If, as the Bible teaches, the dead will not live again until they're raised some time in the future, then it is axiomatic that the dead cannot be alive now. Most Christians hold the belief that upon death, those who belong to Christ are immediately received up into glory, commonly called heaven or paradise to appear before the Father. There they are alive and conscious and have a joyous existence with Him and their loved ones. Such a belief is contrary to the teachings in the Word of God. For if a person immediately after expiring is taken to eternal bliss, why is the return of Christ and or the resurrection necessary if after death the Christian is already alive and with him why should Christ return to gather his church if death is the entrance to eternal happiness with the Lord then death is not an enemy but a welcome friend if death brings us into the immediate presence of Christ then the scriptures are void and our believing vain but death is not a friend as 1 corinthians 15:26 pointedly states the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death the enemy death will someday be destroyed But obviously it is not yet, as witnessed by the fact that funeral directors are not lacking for business. (laughs) One of the greatest lies, perhaps the second greatest lie, and it's contingent upon basically the first greatest lie, is that there's a trinity. The second is that when people die, they're not dead. And this great lie has permeated our country and saturated it to where the the greatest books that are being read today are printed and published and read in the light of people who have passed on and come back and done so many wonderful things. That lie is not new. It's as old as Genesis. For in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 17, after the Lord God had made, formed, and created everything, God told man that of every tree of the garden he could mayest freely eat, but he said of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was the true word of God. But the adversary in chapter 3 said this in verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And that has been the lie that has been promulgated and propagated under that time and has the greatest attentive and listening audience in the world today. The teaching that when you die, you don't really die. You just go on to some other place where you meet with all the loved ones and live in eternal bliss. You see, that's the great lie. God said, you're going to die. The devil said, you're not going to die. As a matter of fact, the adversary said, when that time comes, God knows, verse 5, God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. And people have played gods ever since. That's right. And the leaders of this have been the religious men, the theologians, the philosophers, the poets. I looked at a book today with quotations, perhaps 500 quotations in the book, of all the greatest leaders of all times except the prophets and the word of God and Jesus Christ. They're not listed in it. But they have all the great men of all times. I've just noted a few of them and brought them along. Listen. Here's a Greek dramatist. 525 B.C. His name was Aeschylus. He wrote, Of a man once dead, there is no resurrection. Socrates, the great Athenian philosopher, 469 B.C., said the same thing. Plato, 427 B.C., the great Greek philosopher, of which, by the way, Aristotle was a student. He said, death is one of two things, either such that the dead is nothing and has no perception, or else it may be a removal and change of the soul's residence from this place to another. If then death be such as this, an unconscious sleep, I would call it gain. For in that case, all time seems to the dead no longer than a single night. But on the other hand, if it be a departure from hence to another region, and the same be true that in that other world are all the dead, what could be a greater blessing than this? They that are there are in every way happier than those who are here. And above all, for the time to come, they are immortal. If what is said holds true from the apology of Socrates, quoting Plato. Ladies and gentlemen, that has given you in a few minutes the greatest philosophical knowledge that the world has ever had. Men like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, who by the way lived in 384 BC. A man by the name of Theocritus, third century Greek poet, wrote the following Hopes are among the living, the dead are without hope. Cicero, 106 B.C. or 43 B.C. 106 it is. A Roman orator, author, statesman, wrote, If I err in my belief that the souls of men are immortal, I err gladly, and I do not wish to lose so delightful an error. What Cicero wrote, is exactly what I have been accused of through the years by the clergy, by the theologians, by the denominational people that I have taken their comfort away from them. That's exactly what Cicero wrote. If I err in my belief that the souls of men are immortal, I err gladly. And I do not wish to lose so delightful an error. I don't know what to do with you. You see, nothing but truth gives me comfort. Jesus said he is the truth, and it's truth that sets men free. Class, how can you be set free on lies? It's a false thing. And it has nothing, has nothing to do with anything but the truth of God's word. But you see, man wants to play God. He doesn't want to believe what God said. He is God. And every man thinks he's the big cheese on the pile or something. That's right. He's party of the first part, second part, and every other part. Every man wants to be God in his own right. And naturally he knows Deep within his soul that he doesn't have nearly as much as he wants other people to believe. So he's always thinking that when he dies, he's going some other place where he'll have all that perfection. It's a beautiful, beautiful trick of the adversary. To me, I have fantastic comfort tonight because I know my brothers and sisters in Christ who have died, are awaiting the return. I know that my wonderful mother and father, my brother Harry, who are dead, are awaiting the return. It would be no comfort for me tonight to stand here in this tremendous gathering knowing that my mother and father are up there in heaven, And Uncle Harry's up there. And that I still have to work so hard down here when they got such a tremendous connection up there. (laughs) Class, sheer logic would dictate the truth that if when a man dies, he goes up to be with God and Christ Jesus, his son, that that man or that woman would have a closer connection to him up there than I would down here. To me, it's it's just as simple as falling off of a grease log backwards. Listen, if you were the president of the United States and I was your son, Do you think perhaps maybe I would just have a little more access readily to your presence than Johnny Jumpup or Henry Baloco? If there is a God, sir, and if his wonderful son is up there with him and The believers who have died are up there. They certainly have more access to him than us down here by the same logic. And how dishonest and unkind that would be that people who died centuries ago have been up there and enjoying it all the time and we've missed out on it. We'll never be able to catch up but what a tremendous truth it is if the word of God is right that when a man dies he is dead he has taken his last breath and that statement man's last breath he's taken his last breath is so biblically accurate and it's so dynamically true There is no other way you can state it more efficaciously. That man will have to wait for the return of Christ, either for the body to get up, or after his return with the body of the church for the Old Testament saints to be resurrected, both the just and the unjust. For once a man or woman dies, he is dead until the return of Christ. And then all go into his presence, the body of the church, at one time. To all be awarded the rewards that I shared with you last night. And God, it says, class, in the word, is no respecter of us. If he would take me a hundred years before he took you and I enjoyed it for a hundred years, before you got there, God would have to, by sheer logic, be a respecter of us. And he is no respecter of persons, people. When When Cicero said, I do not wish to lose, so delightful an error... He's a liar. He just doesn't know the truth of God's word, nor did he believe it. Listen to this Flavius Josephus, 37 BC, the great so called statesman and historian, said The soul lives forever. It is a portion of the deity housed in our bodies. The great Roman Catholic theologian Tertullian said, We maintain that after life has passed away, thou still remainest in existence. Those are just a few of the many that I looked at today. I'd like for you to go to First Corinthians and take a look at the Word. Not what men say, but what does the Word say? The Son of God whom I serve and you serve is alive tonight the reason I know that is because I've confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus and I have believed in my heart that God hath raised him from the dead for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto what and I Santa lakashimo ka Santa Speaking in tongues is the external manifestation in the senses world of the internal presence and reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, ma'am, Christ couldn't be in you if God hadn't resurrected him. If Jesus Christ was not seated at the right hand of God. And if he did not do what it says in the book of Acts, he did, you could not speak in tongues. So, I've got the proof that Jesus Christ is alive. All the men that I read to you and all the rest that I read, they are all dead and gone. There is no man living here tonight who can prove that George Washington was the president of the United States. I think most of us believe it. Why people? The word of God is true. I can prove Jesus Christ is alive. I have no proof at all that George Washington ever lived or was a lie except reading it in some book of which the Word of God says that every man's a liar. You laugh at me for believing God's Word? I want to tell you something. I'll laugh at you. believe in the history book says George Washington was alive. I just read you the greatest poets, the greatest philosophers, the greatest statesmen and historians. And everything they said is contrary to what the word says. So you gotta make up your mind are they right or the word? Most of the world has accepted them. But those of us who know God and his wonderful son Jesus Christ and who have dared to be honest with God's word and again take a look at it honestly, we are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are wrong and that the word of God is right. Now I'm going through part of 1 Corinthians 15 and I'm going to insert certain words only because I've checked them out. I know they're accurate. You can take a Greek text, check it yourself. Or if you can get men like Walter and some of my other Greek men and Arabic men, they can show it to you. But I'm going to help you tonight if you want help, and give you some of the great truths that are in here, work accurately. I'm going to begin in verse three, "For I delivered you, um, delivered unto you among the first things which I received also." how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Let me just say a word about the usage of the word also. In the Greek, the word cow, when it means also, is placed immediately before the word employed. In the translation, it's placed afterwards. That's why I read it to you accurately. I received what? Also, not I also received as you have it in King James, but I received also how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, verse 4, and that he was buried and has been raised the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, number one. Then of the twelve, two. After that, he was seen above more than five hundred brethren at once, that's three of whom the greater portion remain until now. But some are fallen asleep. Verse 7, After that he was seen of James, number 4, then of all the apostles, number 5, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as if it were One born out of due time. Six records within a few verses here of men who literally saw the resurrected Christ. And when it comes to a court of law and logic and honesty, the witness who sees it there, his testimony is certainly worth more than all the unbelievers a century or two centuries later who write about it. It seems to me, by the sheer laws of logic and reason, that the men who stood there that day at Bethany When the angel said this same Jesus which you have seen go up shall so come in like manner, it seems to me that their testimony in a court of law should carry more validity, sir, than the testimony of the unbelievers and the God rejecters 1,500 or 2,000 years later who are preaching in our pulpits today that Jesus Christ is not coming back. And according to a recent poll, 85% of all of the so-called Christian clergy do not believe in the return of Jesus Christ. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what are you going to church for? What do you going to those? Look, we either ought to believe God's word or clear out the pulpits. <laughs> Look, people, it's the word. Verse nine for I am the least of the apostles that am not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, and by, but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me did not prove to be empty. The word vain is the word proved to be empty. I have another note on vain someplace that will keep coming up because I won't keep looking in vain for it, but it will be there. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. The grace of God was with him, divine favor. And because he was cognizant of that divine favor, He labored more abundantly. People, when you understand grace, you work like crazy to move God's word. It's the people who believe that they're saved by works that never move God's word. I don't work to get saved, but because I am saved, I work. I don't work to say saved, but because I am saved and have eternal life, I work to move the Word of God. The word vain is to no purpose. I just saw it in here. Did not prove to be empty, did not prove to be of no purpose. Verse 11. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, so you believe. Now watch verse 12. If Christ be preached that he rose from among the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Tonight you watch the words resurrection. See it? Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then is our preaching vain to no purpose, empty, Preaching vain. Watch it. Number one, then our preaching's empty. And your believing is vain also. Number two. Moreover, we are found false witnesses. Number three, (coughs) of God. Because we testified against God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ what? And if Christ be not raised, your believing, your faith is empty, and you are yet in your what? I think that's number four truth. Count them preaching, believing in fourteen or faith, false witnesses three. Yet in your sins four. Verse eighteen. Then they also which fell asleep in Christ are in Christ perished. They also which fell asleep in Christ perished. In First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope, a hope that can't receive now, but it anticipates A living hope by one thing, people, what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the only thing that gives us that living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 19, if in this life only we are having our hope in Christ, We are more to be pitied than all men. Then, verse 20 through 28 is a parenthesis. But now, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 21. For since by man death, by man also the resurrection from the dead. For as in the Adam, the man, Adam, all die, so in Christ also shall all, shall all without any exception be made what? But, verse 23, carefully, each one in his own order, each one in order, but everybody's going to get alive, but everyone in order. Christ the firstfruits. He's number one. Afterward, they that are Christ with his parousa coming Christ the first fruits afterward after what after he comes for the church gathers them unto himself the cloud in the air remember then later on he comes with his saints uh, with they afterward they that are Christ with his coming. And that's after the return of Christ upon earth with his saints. Then verse 24 The talos, the end, the talos, when he delivers this active verb present tense, When he delivers up the kingdom to God. Even the Father, when he shall, have brought to naught all rule and all authority and power. For he, Jesus Christ, must reign till he, God, hath put all enemies under his Christ's faith. Jesus Christ must rule, reign, until God hath put all enemies under Christ's feet. Get your pronouns. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? So no matter what the people say about death being a friend, All that has to be in error if the Bible's right. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a half an ounce of brains, and if you ever have loved anybody, to tell me that if that loved one was killed at this moment, That you'd just be tickled to death, you'd laugh, you'd have a great time, and feel real light about it, I'll look you straight in the eye, and I'll say, you're a damn liar. And you know that's right. And you know that's right. If it's such a wonderful Christian thing to die, then why do I see all those Christians out there wiping their eyeballs and crying like crazy when somebody's dead? Same damnable trip they used in healing and the rest of it. Teaching that God makes people sick to keep you humble. Well, if that's what does it, God ought to get all of us sickering dogs to get us humble. And if one cancer don't do it, give them two cancers. And if one severe case of arthritis don't do it, raise the arthritis to the nth degree. Put it on them. But I've never heard a man pray yet, Oh, Lord God, please lay it on me, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) See... The average common man's walk puts the lie to what those men teach him. The last enemy. And people, it is the greatest of all enemies is death. And I'm not being facetious when I say it's terminal. That's it. You know why? Because there is no reincarnation, sir. You have only one life to live and one life to give. And it's in this life you make up your mind which direction you're going to go in the return or in the resurrections, class. The only, the only reincarnation that ever happens is a devil spirit living in one individual in this time, in this lifetime, <coughs> Then the next lifetime he lives in another individual, following lifetime in another individual. So he talks about reincarnation three times. He's absolutely right. It's a devil spirit living in that person in the 18th century, in the 19th century, in this and 20th century in that. That's reincarnation. And all the Eastern religions teach reincarnation, and most people... So-called, teach it for Christianity, but it is not Christianity. The last enemy that shall be destroyed people is death. Verse 27. For he God subjected all things under Christ's feet, but when he said, all things are put under It is manifested with the exception of Christ. God did put all things under Christ. And when all things shall be subjected unto God, then, then, listen, shall the Son himself also be subjected unto God, who put all things in all places under God, that God may be all in all. Plus, there's the greatness of the parentheses of verses 20 through 28. Let me read just a little portion of it again in 28. And when all things shall be subjected unto God, then shall the Son himself also be subjected unto him. Now by sheer logic, how can the Son be God and God be the Son? Verse 29 in King James is a very difficult verse. It is a verse that one particular group of people use for the baptism of the dead and to check up on the dead and find out where they're buried and get their family tree right and then baptize them. I will read you the King James and then I'll read you the accurate translation of it. You're going back to verse 19. If in this life only we are having our hope in Christ, We're more to be pitied than all men. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? The literal translation according to usage is, else what are they doing? Which are baptized. It is for dead bodies. If the dead rise not at all, Why are they then baptizing for the dead? That's the accurate translation. You see, if Christ is alive and you are baptized with his presence and this verse has nothing to do with water, else what are they doing which are baptized? Baptized with what? Not water but Christ in you, the hope of glory, people. That to me is a far greater baptism than all the waters of all the seas and the oceans of the world. For all that that water of the seas and the oceans could do, honey, to you is to cleanse your outside. But Christ in you cleansed you within. He gave you eternal life. And that, is the baptism of the presence of Christ, which could not occur if God had not raised him from the dead people. Then we would still be saying we're baptized for the dead. Could <laughs> so there be no resurrection, no gathering together? Why stand we in jeopardy? Verse 30 every hour you know if Christ did not rise and I'm baptized with his presence why do I stand in jeopardy every hour then I affirm by our rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord I die daily I stand in jeopardy daily If after the manner of men, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, which I believe happened in the arena where they threw the Christians, what's the profit to me if I stand for God, if I'm thrown in an arena, stand against an animal, win? What profits? What's the advantage? What is the profit? If the dead rise not. If the dead rise not, what's the profit of standing? What's the profit of going through the persecution, the tribulation? The upper Korean philosophy in the next part of the verse. We'd be better off, let us just eat and drink for tomorrow we may want. That's the upper Korean philosophy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you may die. In other words, get all you can get today, get it whichever way you want, doesn't make any difference. Tomorrow you may die. And that's exactly it. If there is no resurrection or return of Christ to us, Be not deceived. Verse 33. Evil associations. Corrupt good morals. Be not deceived. Evil associations. With the people who believe that Jesus Christ is God. With the people who say you must be immersed in order to be saved. Oh, they teach so many things. Be not deceived, evil associations with those people are going, is going to corrupt the good morals, the good of the greatness of the word. Look at verse 34. Awake to righteousness, get on with the righteousness, true. And do what? Sin not. Ladies and gentlemen, my Bible says that in those evil associations, that is sin for some have not the knowledge of God it's not that they couldn't have the knowledge of God they don't want it I speak to your shame verse 35 for some will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come (laughs) fool." It's a wonderful statement. Look, honey, we're talking about the return of Christ. You'll see it after a bit. You've already seen it in Corinthians 13. When he comes, we're going to have a body fashioned like unto what? It's going to be a spiritual body on the road to Emmaus one moment, next moment back in Jerusalem. I don't understand it, but I believe it. You know why? Honey, I don't understand the first birth, and that's peanuts compared to this. I don't understand how one of those hunting sperms can go looking for a beautiful ovum, and I see you. It's beyond me. Right? Only one little sperm in its own ovum, and you. Nine months later, you, beautiful, beautifully packaged delivered perfectly with fingernails, fingers, eyes, everything, people, just so beautiful. I don't even understand that. And I want to tell you something you don't either, so don't go out me so smart. <laughs> That which thou sowest is not quickened, made alive, except in what? And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but naked grain. You know, wheat, corn, other grain. Verse 38 God giveth it in body as it hath pleased Him and to every seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but one flesh of men, one flesh of beasts, one of fishes, one of birds. There are also, also heavenly bodies and bodies earthly, but the glory of, Of the celestial, the heavenly is one. The glory of the terrestrial, the earthly, is another. See how simple it is? I've done a literal translation of verse 40 as follows. And heavenly bodies there will be, and earthly bodies. But of one kind will be the glory of the heavenly, and of another kind that of the earthly. Verse 41, Another glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. So is the resurrection of the dead also. Now listen. It is sowed in what? It is raised how? It is sown in dishonor. The word in dishonor means less honor. It's like the vessels that are described in the gospel. The vessel of anointing is a greater honor vessel than the foot washing vessel. It is sown in dishonor, a physical body it's sown. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in what? Look at all these illustrations. It's sown a natural body. It is sown a what body? That's why it corrupts, ma'am. That's right. But when it's raised, it is raised a what? Spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is also a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, the Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, a living spirit. How be it? That was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is what? Natural. And after that, which is what? Spiritual. The first man of the earth, dust. The second man, of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, the physical, we shall bear the image also of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood are not able to inherit the kingdom of us, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now, verse 51, carefully. Behold, I show you a mystery, a secret. Well, if he's going to show it to you after I read it to you, it'd no longer be a what? Mystery. We shall not all be sleeping, but we shall all be changed. Talking about the body of the church. In a moment, the word moment is Adam, A-T-O-M. In an atom, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised, how? Why? Because they are corruptible. See it? those who have corrupted shall be raised what and we we who that are alive at that time not dead we shall be what changed for this which is corruptible the dead must put on what incorruption and the mortal Those who are alive are mortals. They must put on what? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So, verse 54. When this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, Then, then, then after all that plus the resurrections of the just and the unjust of the Old Testament and book of Revelation period. Then shall be brought to pass the word, the Logos that is written death is swallowed up in what? The last enemy to be destroyed is what? After all that people are able to say death is swallowed up in what? Verse 55. O grave, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death and the grave is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Verse 58, So then, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not empty in the what? Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain, it's not empty, because... He is coming back to reward the faithful. That's the hope. Thank you.